Welcome back, MTN Giants podcast. So, the Giants released Kenny Galladay, something that uh, we all expected to happen, just didn't know when. We found that it's going to be pretty much as soon as possible. Right on the first day of the new league year on March 15th, Kenny Galladay will be done with the Giants. They will save $6.7 million in salary cap space for this upcoming offseason. Now, of course, there are some ramifications. They take 14.7 in dead money, but his cap hit for next year was going to be $21.4 million. So the Giants do make out okay in this situation. It could have been worse, but... Kenny Galladay's contract was uh, absolutely terrible. It's a shame how it went. He signed here in the prime of his career, and he seemed like a guy coming over from Detroit that was going to be the wide receiver one that Daniel Jones needed. Whether it was due to injury or whether it was due to the wrong team, wrong fit, which I do think you can make an argument for both, it just never worked out. His, his first season here was decent. He still led the team in receiving yards, which didn't say much as half the season it was Jake Fromm and Mike Glennon. But 521 yards in 14 games, no touchdowns, of course, in 2021. But then the, this past season just could not get in the good graces of this coaching staff, whether it was the drops, maybe the effort level in practice coming off the offseason hip surgery. A lot of things were kind of against Kenny Galladay this year, and it just never worked out. Now, luckily, he did score a touchdown in his last game pretty much as a giant. That was awesome. He had that great block in the first Minnesota game uh, on a running play. So that was great. But, yeah, not worth $72 million and um, just a mistake of a signing. It definitely... There were some uh, some red flags when he was signed. The Giants pretty much bid against themselves when they signed Galladay, which you don't want to see your team do that. And, of course, he missed time the year prior. He only played five games in the 2020 season for the Detroit Lions. And, you know, coming over from Detroit with Matthew Stafford, who I always thought was the perfect quarterback for a Kenny Galladay-type receiver who is not the best separator, and Stafford always wants to throw the ball into tight windows and give his guys 50-50 balls, Daniel Jones is not that same kind of quarterback. Daniel Jones is better with separators, and Kenny Galladay is not a separator. So just... You know, wrong team, wrong fit, but Galladay physically, due to injury, has completely fallen off, and he even had the yips last year where he couldn't even catch the ball. He came in in that game, I think it was the first game out of the bye. He had missed some games with an injury, and the Giants put him back in the lineup. He had that bad drop on that drag route, just an obvious drop. Then, like, a couple plays later, he had another drop. It was off his fingertips. wasn't, like, 100% his fault, but still a ball that a wide receiver one should be able to come down with. And just ever since then, he's been pretty much out of the Giants' rotation. And you can't blame them. I mean, but when you're getting benched for guys like Marcus Johnson and David Sills, I mean, it's a pretty bad look. And the worst part is the Giants, like, really needed somebody to step up at wide receiver this year. And... It seemed like Galladay could have been that guy. We were hoping for a Kadarius Tony year two breakout. And pretty much the complete opposite happened. Even Wandale Robinson we had expectations for. And he was finally starting to look good. And then, of course, he tears his ACL because that's what happens to the Giants. When most good things start happening, something bad happens. So... The Giants wide receiver room last year, it was pretty rough. We got some good production out of Slayton. Isaiah Hodgins was a great add the last couple months or so. Even Richie James in the slot was not that bad. He was one of the better separators in the NFL last year. So, I mean, you know, got to give him some credit. I know he might have cost us that Seattle game, but outside of that, I thought Richie James had a pretty solid season. But, uh, yeah, the Giants definitely need a wide receiver or two in this offseason. We'll see what they do. 
whether it's in the draft or add a guy in free agency, but the Kenny Galladay thing did not go too well. In other news, the Giants general manager Joe Shane did talk to the press at the Combine in Indianapolis, and you know, he had some quotes that kind of meant something, and some of it was the same stuff he said about a month ago, a month and a half ago, but he did make some weird comments, we'll talk about them, like saying that he never had any type of negotiations with Daniel Jones' previous agency, and Jones dropped his previous agency, like, I don't know, maybe seven, eight, nine days ago, so that was kind of weird for him to admit that did admit that he does not want it to come down to the franchise tag for either Barkley or Jones. He is cautiously optimistic about getting deals done with both Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. Says he would love to have them both back. So I, I do kind of believe it. Like I think in a perfect world, if you take money out of it, I do think that Joe Shane wants both these guys back. But once again, salary cap league, the Giants are probably going to have somewhere around $50 million in cap space this year, maybe a bit more, could be a bit less, I don't know. But you start doing the math and it's like, hey, $10 million goes to your draft class. If Daniel Jones is tagged, which seems like it's the likely outcome at this point, based on what um, Diana Rossini said on ESPN, I think it was yesterday, saying that both Daniel Jones' side and the Giants are not really close on numbers with a contract. So you would think, based on that, that Daniel Jones could be franchise tagged. So, okay, $32 million plus the $10 million for the draft class, that's going to be $42 million and change right there for basically not two guys but just two parts of your offseason so out of your 50 million dollars plus you know it's somewhere from 50 to 55 million dollars probably in cap space and that could be a bit generous how much money do you have left over and the the crappy thing about like there's a good and a bad about the franchise tag the good thing is that it's not a long-term commitment so if daniel jones turns back into a pumpkin next year and he gets hurt or something like that it's not a long-term commitment. You can get out of it after next year and then go into free agency in 2024 with pretty much a, a clean slate or even the draft next year with a clean slate. So that's the good news. But the bad news is that once you have that tag on him and you don't rescind it by a certain date, um, the Giants are pretty much stuck with that cap hit. They can't do anything about the $32 million cap hit. It's going to be there. And Daniel Jones will have to play on that unless he sits out, which I don't see happening. And for Saquon in that situation, I don't know if Saquon, you know, I doubt he wants to play on a franchise tag. Like, I feel like with quarterbacks, it's much easier to play on a tag as a quarterback as compared to a running back. I mean, Saquon is a guy who was paid very well as a rookie because, you know, during his rookie contract being taken second overall, that's going to pay you a lot of money. But Saquon, of course, is still 25-26, wants another big payday before, you know, he kind of gets into his uh, late 20s in his NFL career. And we know about the running back position and how they tend to fall off around that time. Now, personally, I believe that the Giants are probably better off for next year if they bring back Jones and Saquon. Now, I'm a big picture guy, as you guys know, so if they were to let both those guys walk... I can deal with it because I do think that would help the Giants in the long term. I mean, it definitely resets your cap, basically. Joe Shane can build the team exactly how he wants to. He's not stuck inheriting Dave Gettleman's guys. And, of course, Gettleman has some you know really good players left on this team, like Andrew Thomas and Dexter Lawrence, and we'll see what um, Xavier McKinney turns into. But the reason I think both these guys need each other, and that being Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones, 
I mean, look at Daniel Jones' stats with and without Saquon Barkley. I mean, here's Daniel Jones with Saquon Barkley has a 44 to 17 touchdown to interception ratio and a 59 QBR. Without Saquon Barkley in 19 games, he has 16 touchdowns, the 17 interceptions with a 48 QBR. So Daniel Jones is like a different guy. Now, of course, a lot of that was in the Jason Garrett offense, so you have to include context there. But I mean, look, even this year, Saquon helped so much with what the Giants offense was doing. Um, I know there's certain people in the fan base that think it's all Daniel Jones, but you have to give credit to what Saquon Barkley did, especially the first like 12 games or so. Like I'll go look at his game log right now. And I would say up until that Texans game, he was responsible for a lot. And I mean a lot of the Giants wins. Like you look at week one, 164 rushing yards, a touchdown, the big two point conversion, big Saquon day. 31 carries for 146 against Chicago. The Carolina game was basically a field and goal fest. I can't really say the offense was great in that game. Uh, Green Bay game, that was a lot of Daniel Jones, as we know. But then you go to Baltimore. Saquon had a nice day, 83 on the ground, one touchdown. He had a nice day against the Jacksonville Jaguars, 24 for 110. The Houston game, 35 for 152. And at that point, the Giants were 7-2, and two, and I would say about six of those wins were because Saquon Barkley was carrying the offense. And then, of course, the Giants had their, you know, kind of dry spill. They had four weeks in a row without winning a game. There was a tie in there with Washington, and Saquon didn't look that great the rest of the year. Saquon in the Washington win looked pretty good, 18 for 87 in a touchdown, 14 for 84 in a touchdown at Minnesota, had the big touchdown. So to say it was all Daniel Jones this past year, you're just not telling the whole story. I mean, both guys had good seasons. I think Saquon's was more impressive. I mean, 1,300 rushing yards for a running back is very good. Even the receiving game, he basically had 338 receiving yards. He had 57 receptions, as I said said was a big big piece of the offense in the first uh, six wins this year so you got to give both guys their credit and if the Giants were to bring back Jones and let Saquon walk I am concerned about that because you know not only not only were Daniel Jones's stats not very good without Saquon Barkley but you just worry about how much more will be put on Daniel Jones's plate and whether he can handle that or not. Now, if Saquon goes that gives you some money to sign a wide receiver so if you basically replaced um, Saquon Barkley with like a Jacoby Myers, then okay. I mean, you're kind of talking at that point, but what are the chances the Giants can replace Saquon Barkley's production in the first year, which would be next year? I mean, I don't know. It, it's going to be tough. And we all talk about he has no weapons, has no weapons. It's a valid argument. But if you let his best weapon go, which is Saquon Barkley, who I get is not a wide receiver, but he's still a weapon. Um, if the best weapon goes, I mean, how are you helping Daniel Jones at all. So that's why, like, for me as a fan, I'm in a tough spot because I, I think for the cap, obviously, it would help if Daniel Jones was on a long-term deal, but I also don't have enough confidence in Daniel Jones to sign him to a long-term deal. And I think Joe Shane might be in the same exact spot. Like, he probably liked what he saw last year, but not enough to the point where he wants to meet Daniel Jones's number. I mean, right now, it seems like from the reports that keep coming out, Daniel Jones wants at least $40 million annually. It might not be the 45 number we heard, but somewhere from 40 to $43 million per year. And I don't think Joe Shane wants to go to that level. And I can't blame him. I don't think Daniel Jones is a $40 million per year quarterback. I don't even think he's a $35 million per year quarterback. He probably is around 30, in my opinion. And I could say even less. I mean, 
when you have a four-year NFL career, a decent rookie season with way too many turnovers, two horrendous seasons, I know bad coaching, injuries, whatever, um, two horrendous seasons, then this past year have a pretty good year statistically, much better coaching, you go 9-7-1, and one, win a playoff game, that does not mean you should be making $45 million or even over $40 million. Like, I get where Daniel Jones is coming from. This is how the quarterback market is. But speaking of the market, I've always said this. What is the market for Daniel Jones right now? What other teams out there are going to be heavily heavily bidding on, on uh, Daniel Jones? I don't know exactly who's going to. I think we've had a few teams in mind, whether it's going to be the Buccaneers, maybe the Saints if they miss out on Carr. I mean, the Jets, as crazy as that would be. There are a few teams out there for Carolina, although they probably want to draft somebody, and I heard they want to re-sign Sam Darnold today. So you just don't want to get into this self-bidding war, which is kind of what the Kenny Galladay thing was. Um, I can see if the market out there for Jones was like huge, and you had to, had to bid against like eight or nine other teams, but you might be bidding against maybe two or three other teams, and I think Daniel Jones is smart enough to realize that Brian Dable is the best situation for him. Like, Daniel Jones needs Brian Dable way more than Brian Dable needs Daniel Jones. If if Daniel Jones were to go to a different team, the Giants will be fine. Like they'll they'll find their guy eventually and Brian Dable is such a good coach that they'll figure this out. But if Daniel Jones went to another team, he's not going to find another Brian Dable probably. So I just think for him for a career move it might not be the best thing. For him personally, the best career move might be to just play on a tag make the $32 million, try and replicate what he did this past year. So now Daniel Jones can go to the negotiating table next year and say, hey, I did this multiple years in a row. It's time to actually pay me for real. And the Giants can either say, okay, and they give him that big extension or they say, we're not interested. And, you know, or maybe they tag him again. Like you never know. So I just think for him playing that quarterback position, it's probably best for him personally to just take the tag play on it but as a Giants fan and wanting to pay other positions during this offseason the best thing for the Giants would be to have Jones on a multi-year deal where you can push some of the money down the line which of course could have its ramifications and we see it with even some contracts on this team now I mean Leonard Williams has a 32 million dollar cap pit because we tried the same thing so you know eventually you're gonna have to uh, pay the piper as they say for this offseason specifically Extending Daniel Jones would be a good thing for the Giants cap space, but I just don't know if it's going to happen because it seems like based on the reports that Shane and um, Jones are not too close on a number. So it is what it is, but I give Shane credit. I give him credit for playing hardball and setting a number and, you know, just making these guys go through the negotiation process and not just handing them money that Joe Shane feels are not worth. And you know, same thing for Saquon Barkley. I think those numbers are a lot closer. Of course, running back money is not really what quarterback money is, but I would say that Saquon probably wants 14 or 14 and a half million dollars per year. The Giants might be offering him 12 and a half million dollars per year. So that number, the Giants and Saquon may only be like a million and a half or two million away per year from completing a deal. And maybe they meet in the middle you know, somewhere around $13 million per year. 
and Saquon signs with the Giants on like a three-year deal paying him about $13 million per year. That's something I could see happening. But if Saquon gets a big offer from a team like Chicago, which would make sense, they have the most cap space in the league, rookie quarterback contract with Justin Fields, Fields just had like 1,100, 1,200 rushing yards, it'd be a nice fit. I could see him going to a team like that if Chicago were to pay Saquon more. But I do believe, of course, Saquon and Jones want to be back. They want to be Giants for the rest of their careers probably and uh if things could work out in a perfect world the giants would bring them back but once again salary cap dave gettleman he kind of screwed them over with the salary cap the past few years and the giants of course will have to take some dead money with um kenny galladay and they may have to extend leonard williams and if not he'll be taking out 32 million dollars in cap space next next year so if there's one thing we learned today from joe shane it's basically that he says he has no doubt that daniel jones will be the quarterback for the giants in 2023 without a deal we will use the tag so i think for sure he'll be back unless joe shane is absolutely lying to us which it's happened before. I mean, we've seen GMs do this before, so wouldn't be the most shocking thing, but I'd be a bit surprised if Joe Shane's actually lying. I think they want to see what this Daniel Jones thing looks like with better weapons. And once again, how do they afford these weapons with limited cap space? I don't know. And Joe Shane has said in the past, he does not want to push money down the road, but I feel like in order to have Daniel Jones with weapons and you know, keep them on the uh, franchise tag and still pay for weapons. It just doesn't add up. So I don't know how they're going to do it, but that's why GMs are paid big money. So we'll see how they operate it. And for Saquon, as I mentioned, they might be $1.5, $2 million off. It's not that far away. So we might see a scenario where Saquon brings his number down and decides to remain with the Giants. Or we see a scenario where he says, you know what, I'll just take the money and go to a Chicago or go to, I don't know, Baltimore or something. I don't know. So anything's possible with Saquon Barkley, but it seems like right now Daniel Jones should be back for next year. Would I force it if I was Joe Shane personally? No. I think there are other options out there. I know some Giants fans will tell you like, oh, we have no other options and you know our, our draft pick is too low. But I think most rational people will realize the Giants are probably not competing for a Super Bowl next year. They have too many holes on the roster. So if you want to bring in like a one-year rental type quarterback, which you already have one on the roster with uh, Tyrod Taylor. So even if you went like Hendon Hooker in the draft and then started Tyrod Taylor the first like five to seven games next year and then handed it over to uh, Hendon Hooker, that can make sense. I love Anthony Richardson. I've been very vocal about that on Twitter. Um, but Richardson probably will go in the top eight or nine picks. I can't see him going beyond 10. So to trade up from 25 to the top 10, yeah, it's going to cost you a lot. But if you think Richardson's going to be that good, which I think he is going to be that good, then you would trade a lot to get him. But we'll see how Joe Shane feels about him. I just think personally that Richardson, I hate using this comparison because I feel like every quarterback that has physical tools is compared to this guy. But Richardson is closer to Josh Allen than Daniel Jones is to Josh Allen. It's not even close. Like people have said the past couple of years since Brian Dable came here that, oh, Daniel Jones might be the next, uh, you know, Josh Allen. But no, I mean, Anthony Richardson legitimately is closer to Josh Allen's physical tools than Daniel Jones is. And that's just not even a debate in my opinion. And I get that AR has a lot of risk. He is inaccurate at times. He has bad footwork, but has everything that can be coached out of him. That's what I like about AR. The Giants have some of the best coaches in the league. We've seen Mike Kafka and Brian Dable help develop Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen 
if Anthony Richardson is that good, which I think he can be once again, then why can't they develop him? So I'm afraid Richardson might go to the wrong team and he might go to a not so good coaching staff and they'll continue bad habits and he might not turn out to have a great NFL career. But if Richardson goes to the right team with the right coaches, I mean, just imagine him on the Giants, which I've seen that idea a lot. That would be very fun. So I I hope it happens, but I just think it's a long shot at this point. Um, But even other options like you know, you can sign a Jimmy Garoppolo in free agency. It's not great. It's not sexy, but he's a guy that can hold down the fort for a year. You can sign Jacoby Brissett for like $8 million for one year, maybe even less. So, you know, it's not the end of the world. I get these guys are not exactly Daniel Jones, but my thing is I don't see Daniel Jones ever winning a Super Bowl. So as I've said before, he kind of is looked at as like a dead end street by me. I don't really know what the point of extending him to a long-term deal is if he's not going to be our long-term franchise quarterback. Um, There is a chance, and I've heard this comparison before, which is funny because I made this comparison a long time ago, but he might be what Alex Smith was on the Chiefs when they had him for about four or five years, realized that, hey, Smith is a nice quarterback, but we need more. And then, of course, they traded up for Patrick Mahomes, and that's worked out beautifully for the Chiefs. So, it's going to be tough to execute that perfectly, but maybe that's the route they go. I don't know. I, I, I just think overpaying on Daniel Jones right now is not the best idea, and I think I want to see it for another year. So it's a tough situation once again because the franchise tag, it does not allow you to move the money around. You were just tied up for $32 million, but a long-term commitment might be a very bad move too if he turns out to get injured or just not improve on his game, and last year was an outlier, so... I don't know. We're going to see how it plays out. It's very interesting stuff. Um, My prediction right now is that the Giants actually, I think the Giants will get something done with Saquon. I think Saquon will bring his number down to like 13, 13 and a half per year. I will say Saquon's back on like a three-year something around $40 million total. So that's like, I don't know, probably like a little over 13 per year. So I would guess something like that. And for Daniel Jones, I think he'll be brought back on the franchise tag and play for $32 million next year, unless they can get something done long term. But in order for that to happen, Daniel Jones has to bring his number down a lot because the Giants don't seem very close. And then once again, I like the fact that Joe Shane is playing hardball and not giving in. So that's good news for sure. So anyway, that's going to do it. Um, I'll probably talk to you guys in about a week or so unless some big news happens. Hope you guys enjoyed the video, the podcast, and I'll talk to you guys next time.